Hi guys. We're letting you all in. Um, you can let them all in at once, Robin, if you'd like to. Um, we are not gonna have you guys do the audio or the video, just so you all know. Um, and uh, let's do this. Uh, yeah, there we go. Now you're all getting in. We've got Joanne, we've got Catherine, Kim. I, of course, see my friend, Bob Esquery, Deborah, Annette, Mary Jo, Catherine, Cindy, la, 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 love this. Love all you guys that are coming in. Now, the first thing I'm gonna ask you to do, because I always forget to say this, is you can move your mouse and you can go to the bottom of the screen and you'll see a green share button. And on that green share button, um, next to it is a chat box. And what we're, what we're gonna ask you to do is um, go to the chat box and I want you to type in your name and where you're from. That would be great. Um, we'd love to we we'd love to make sure we know who you are. I'm Sarah Cooperman. I'm the CEO of SDW Fitness Education and Water in Motion and our new program, SEAT, which is Supported Exercise for Ageless Training, uh, which I feel like I might be getting into more and more since, of course, skiing, I damaged my knee again. I'm I, I have to, Kelly, between you and I, I think we've had every injury known to mankind, right? You with the upper body and me with my lower body. <laughs> it's a miracle. Um, I have fabulous presenters with us tonight. I have my dear friend, Kelly Roberts. Um, she was named IDEA International Fitness Instructor of the Year. She was also awarded by SCW Best female presenter. She got amazing Lifetime Achievements Awards, and she got one with Equinox just recently. Yay. We've decided that we're not really that old, that we just were honored very young. And then she was inducted into the National Fitness Hall of Fame, honored as Presenter of the Year, as well as Inspiration Award through Empower. She holds certifications from everyone. She's an ACSM exercise physiologist a Schwinn master trainer. She's on the SCW faculty leading our, she's led our active aging certification, our, physic, our personal training cert. So welcome Kelly. And we have Soraya here tonight. Um, Soraya actually is the creator of and the runner of the Rock the Bar program. And it's this really, really cool belly dance program. She's gonna show us some unique stuff because her facility that she has is, I guess, what is it, Soraya? It's right across the street from the physical therapy clinic. Our, our, yeah, group exercise. Yeah, so she, <laughs> she gets dumped on all the time with these people. Um, she's creator of the program. She's got degrees in theater arts, both a master's and a bachelor's, and she's part of the Screen Actors Guild. So she's really cool. Then we're stuck with Paul Christopher. <laughs> who, Paul, oh my God, just adore him. Fabulous person. He's founder and owner of Gravity and Oxygen Fitness in Boca Raton. He's been on numerous webinars with us. We discovered him like kicking and screaming at uh, through COVID. Um, he holds degrees in athletic training and sports medicine and healthcare administration. He's very well-educated individual. He's got NSCA certified strength and conditioning specialist. He's also an NASM certified um, personal trainer. 
and he does a lot of successful sessions at the International Society of Sports uh, Nutritionists. So uh, now I take a deep breath, I can breathe. Um, so I'm excited. We're going to be talking about happy hips. So we started out really by talking that there's 450,000 hip replacements in the United States each year, with almost 30% of those cases still reporting severe limitations five years after the procedures. And you know what happens? They get this limited amount of physical therapy, and then they're dumped on us. So we're going to be talking about some of the common activities we that For us. So if we can, um, I'm going to start with you, Paul, because you had a very interesting little friend you brought with us. And I was like, yeah, Paul, show us your pelvis, babe. So there this, we go. So this <laughs> is Sammy the spine, but Sammy also has hips. So there we go. We figure what better than to provide visual aids? Most of us learn things through the visual pathway, correct? So this would be considered a beautiful hip. It is a ball and socket joint and ball socket joints mean they move in all three planes of motion. All right, so that's an important factor as we get deeper into our discussion today. And as we talk more about muscles and, and biomechanics, we can use Sammy again for this, this discussion. Yeah, but it's great to take a look at that because I don't, you know, the person we have to think about is the shoulder and the hip are the most predisposed to injury because they have the largest range of motion. Um, and Kelly, what are some, uh, you, you really specialize in dealing with older adults. Um, what are some of the exercises you do to prevent these hip problems that we see in older adults? And what are some of the exercises you, you do with them after they already have experienced some of this discomfort? Um, well, the hip being a ball and, as Paul mentioned, it's a ball and socket joint. So ball and socket joints need space. These are a joint that really needs to have good mobility. So to prevent you know, as a preventative or prehab focus, I like to work on mobility and keeping good mobility in three planes of motion. So external rotation, internal rotation, abduction, adduction, and flexion extension. So I, I, I want to make sure that there's good mobility available to them. And then, of course, keep them strong from a multi-planar multi perspective. So strength work and and I'm a big fan of of uh, work done in a standing position so not just uh, floor work although I do like hip thrusts and bridge, bridges but that's still somewhat weight-bearing so I like our weight-bearing movements with things like squats lunges and and um, deadlifts and then band work for the lateral hip for the for the smaller muscles in the hip. Um, I'll do other movements like clamshells if there's no other choice, if the knee doesn't tolerate squats and lunges and step-ups, then, then I'll go towards less weight-bearing movements, although I prefer to do weight-bearing movements for strengthening the hips. So I take an approach that's quite it depends on the person, you know. Once someone's had a hip replacement, the first thing I find out is what type of procedure they had. Was it through the front, side, or back? Because each 
each procedure has very different contraindications and a different approach to post-physical therapy. So um, I talk with their physical therapist. I take a multi-modal um, approach working on mobility. I love the water. Uh, you know, get them in, get them in the therapy pool, get them moving without gravity, with with the hydrostatic pressure. I love the water for joint replacements. Um, but That's great. That's and and these different modalities really not only enhance creativity and how we deal with our clients, but it provides our client options. Yes. Um, and Soraya, you were, before we turn the camera on, um, mm -hmm. you guys, you were demonstrating these very interesting moves. Do you mind sharing them again, please? Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is Suhaila here. She is my friend. Um, belly dance is a hip and torso driven dance. What's very unique about this and what many don't understand, you were talking about uh, adding less load onto the hip joint is how important our postural alignment is. So when you lift the thoracic cavity up with your best postural alignment and you leave space for your abdominal cavity, that gives you room to feature the hips. And that right there, that whole entire lift is going to lighten the load on the joints. So really training our bodies to have proper postural alignment. There are three fundamentals that I layer into my belly dance prog progressions. From there, I can expand them and really think about your hip just bathing in the synovial fluids as you move your hips. It's just good fitness. It's the way our body was meant to move. I'm not asking us to move in a three-quarter shimmy, but I am saying this: your hip is able to move that way. So fundamental one, number one, we know anterior, posterior pelvic tilts, right? But really finding that full range of motions. How many times our clients cannot even do that, particularly from a lunged position, finding that full range of motion. This is a piston hip. So in belly dance, you would pull the hip down, 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 down. But if you are in a stationary legs slightly bent, pulling those hips, alternating right up and down, really you're just stretching those muscles, right? Putting those together, this is your internal hip circle. So right away, I'm continually finding um, any, any challenges my clients might have from having the ability to move their body on all planes of motion. From there, you can layer in other beautiful belly dance movements. But those are the three essential that I can watch for my students to make sure they have room to move. And they're continually sending students from um, the physical therapy right across from our group exercise studio to, to join us um, for, you know, just kind of dancing. Just probably for just that reason. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, Paul, you do well, obviously personal training. You've got some equipment set up. Do you mind sharing some of the things that you do? Sure. Are you guys ready? Are, are you ready for this? Okay. We're ready. <laughs> so these are not the only exercises, but these are meant to inspire thought. So I've already been typing in the chat some initial principles. The idea is motion is lotion, as Soraya said, is the fact that lubrication, all right? We want that joint just bathing in fluid of synovial fluid. It's, it's gelatinous, it's clear yellowish. We want that thing swimming in a beautiful pool, all right? Triplanar exercises, we wanna hit all three planes of motion, sagittal, frontal, and then transverse. Um, the buoyancy of water is amazing. So if people cannot handle 100% of their body load, get them in the pool. The deeper they are, the greater the displacement of their load on the joints, all right? Um, so these are just some initial take-home principles. Opening, uh, doing a 
doing exercises in both closed chain and open kinetic chains. That's important as well. So something like a squat or a lunge would be a stationary foot with a moving body, whereas open chain is a stationary body with a moving limb. So those are important as well. So if you guys are ready, I'm going to go ahead and just, just divulge a, a series of things for you. Okay. So here we have my little area. So motion is lotion. We're all about mobility and triplanar. Okay. So we'll start, let's start floor-based. So um, I think Kelly touched on the idea of, of having people do weight-bearing stuff, but I'm all about first taking gravity out of the equation. All right. So the idea is if they can't handle or tolerate their own load due to gravitational pull, get them on the floor. Right. So I'm here now. I'm all about what we call hip windshield wipers, right? An ounce of prevention is better than a pound of cure. So if we can go ahead and begin with hip motions here. We're non-loading, all right? We can work with the clamshells, as Kelly mentioned, things like that. We can get into sway and fold, do things such as this. We can also perform what we call a shin box bridge. So I have my knees swayed to my right. I activate the glutes without use of the quads. So one thing I notice is, when people do squats or lunges, you need to get through the quads to eventually get to the glutes. But what if we can remove the quadriceps out of the way? They are dominant and most people are quad strong, glute deficient. So get the strong dominators out of the way and let them isolate and enhance their glutes. So doing- Paul, Paul, could you do us a quick favor? Just tilt the camera down just a smat because your name is covering up your hips just a little bit. Okay. There better? we go. Cool. Yeah. So there we go. That's great. Thank bridges, you. Progressions of this. So we sway, we have the windshield wipers. We also have gently, okay, a very simple internal external rotation exercise, such as this. I'll give you a little angled view. So my left knee is gently on my mat, and now I'm doing external and internal rotation. Okay, I'm not pile driving my kneecap into the ground, but I'm providing motion here. All right. Simple as that. Now, if you also imagine as if I had an ankle band or a tennis ball behind my knee, we remove the idea of knee extension and now I'm squeezing my ankle band and they have to provide the largest circle they can without losing the band. My knee is a flashlight. I want them shining the flashlight to hip extension, abduction, flexion, and make that a beautiful clockwise pattern and conversely counterclockwise. So this is the epitome of generating synovial fluid production in the hip, okay? We can then consider tempos of isometrics, concentrics. So a lot, with a lot of my hip clients, I do the number 30. I want three repetitions of 10 second ISOs. I want 10 repetitions of three second ISOs. And then I want 30 repetitions flat out um, with no pulse. So we might take the bands, we might put them above the knee. I'm taking gravity out of the equation and we're here and we are firing one, two, three. And I'm gonna do 10 seconds, return to a float, and repeat. So each hip is gonna go back and forth with the magic number 30 as the common denominator doing these exercises. Now, when we talk about bridges, all right, the limiting factor when we do bridges is the floor. So right now I'm limited in my depth because of the floor. So the popularity recently with thrusters has come from devices like this. So if you can see my hip thruster device, all right, over here, I'm now going to sit into the void and as my knees are bent, my knees and shoulders are the peaks of the mountain and my hips are down in the valley. So now I've got greater uh, stretch on the glute tissue and then I'm now able to provide simple hip extension, right? Understanding that the glute maximus has to be the strongest muscle in the skeletal peripheral body, this is a great way of enhancing it. 
We can provide balls in between for adductor work. We can simply do bands on the outside for abduction. We can split stance. We can overload with single leg activity. Once again, the beauty is that we're removing quads from the equation and allowing glutes and hamstrings to take over and develop that, that, um, that security and prevention. That's good. That is great stuff. Um, and that, you know, in a very controlled environment, in this, in this personal training environment, I think that works extremely well. Um, Kelly, do you have any suggestions or applications that we could do for group exercise? Because we're dealing with a lot of older adults that are having issues with their hips. I mean, honestly, me being one of them, you know, as you age, um, um, how can we integrate this into small group training or large group training? Any suggestions here? I actually teach a virtual class for the elderly. Um, and I, it's, it's pretty tough because you don't know what is going on individually with people. So you can only make assumptions and do the best program design that you can come up with. And so, you know, I mix things up for my class. I tend to do more closed kinetic chain movements, standing movements um, at the beginning of the class, more of the compound movements, squats, deadlifts, lunges, step-ups, those sorts of things, um, and uh, then band work. And then I, I usually finish on the floor with some bridging, single leg bridges, hip thrusts, that sort of thing. You know, equipment, of course, is an issue. You don't have a fabulous hip thrust machine to work with, you've really just got maybe a step to put the shoulders on or a ball to put the shoulders on so you can do get that that um, deeper range of motion for a hip thrust. I, I use a stability ball for that or a step. I like the stability ball because it's a little more comfortable. But um, bands are very helpful in a group, group setting. Um, I use... I use the SCW band, actually, that, that thick band that you can get through your website. Um, I've, I've um, recommended it to a lot of the people in my classes, and they use that. Yeah, and, it's, not, um, it's a wider, softer band. Wider, yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't slip. Son, and... actually, my son, who does a lot of hockey skating, I mean, he actually was the one who turned me on to it because the hockey players use that because it's so hip oriented with the skating, you know, yeah. and they get incredibly tight. Um, I'm going to ask you something. Oh, I see Lawrence Viscontini, who actually is the original author of our active aging certification. We love Lawrence. So glad you came. Um, so we've got, what are, what are some of the variety of exercises we can do with these resistance bands? Is it just about locking it around the hips? Um, Soraya, do you incorporate any of the, of the resistance equipment in your kind of, you know, freestyle belly dancing? Yeah, I do. I use resistance bands all the time. And just a little fun FYI fact, uh, resistance bands help improve shimmies. Shimmies are a lot of fun. But as specifically, um, when I am training, I, I, I use the bands to strengthen, obviously. So I'm continually doing the clamshells also, as well as the bridges. I 
try to layer in a monster walk, even though it's not very attractive looking in, in within the theme of my program. Nonetheless, it's just good fitness. Um, of course, I like the bird dog pose. I actually started teaching a raqua bar, an aqua bar with uh, the raqqa belly dance techniques in the water. And so I use bands in the water all the time because I do have so many seniors that that love um, working in the water and really doing some hip mobility work. So I do um, kind of the longer, uh, thinner loop bands so that they have a nice uh, work within the water. It's really been actually a, a good brand. I, I don't recall who it's from, but I, I do a lot of band work in the water. Of course, the hydrostatic pressure in the water is just so good for us. So my clients are able to use the wall. We work on the postural alignment, even still at the wall. And just do your basic classic um, exercises, even in the water. So absolutely, it, it's yeah. it, belly dancing is really important in my opinion. And I feel like um, the world of wellness would would really um, I like to give it like an ancient solution to our modern wellness needs. Really, there are seven fundamentals when we really learn how to bring those into your your. Um, fitness progressions, any type, honestly, it's just going to truly help us find a, a unique way to help our clients as well as work on posture. Now, um, Paul, do you do, when you do some fitness testing, when you bring your clients in, um, what are some of the telltale signs you might see that people are experiencing hip immobility? Um, it could be simply as, you know, doing uh, if you're Indian style, sitting here, and your capacity to laterally flex, you're going to see that contralateral knee rise, okay? Um, you're going to see uh, deficiencies in their capacity to simply air squat, okay? They have depth or discomfort. Um, we're looking at uh, instability. So here's a great one. I'm going to lean my weight to my right leg, and I'm going to hold my left knee. Can they even sustain this position? Can they even maintain a knee higher than their navel for a prolonged period? So we're looking for their degree of hip flexor stamina. We're looking for stability. How about when their eyes are closed? So if we take vision out of the equation, we're relying on proprioception. So now, as soon as they close their eyes, are they all over the board? So without that vision, what is their hip truly telling me in their story? So these are all assessment tools. So their squat technique for functional level change, the capacity to stand on one leg. How about the ability to even sustain standing on something like a half foam roll, okay? Could they even perform something here where they can squat or depth, do they feel timid? Are they bending their back more than hinging at the hips or knees for their squat? So there's a lot of false positives that, that we look at. And trained eye to understand, are they, are they failing the vision test? All right, so in that we currently begin to um, already know what our program design is based upon the feedback that we're getting from that um, um, observation, that objective information. We did get a question from uh, Dominique who asked, could you please repeat what exercises that hockey players often do? Um, I think everybody knows I'm a, I'm a big hockey mom. Um, and um, my son actually, I don't know if you ever heard of Patrick Kane, but he works with the same trainer that works, that has worked with Patrick Kane. And they put the bands, a thicker loop band, like the same one Kelly was explaining, and have them basically do the shuffle side to side on the floor, almost anchored, and then sweep one leg back and the other leg back at an angle. 
um, because that's the skating action. But then they really work very hard on stretching out the hip flexor, the front of the thigh, because they find that the certain athletes are in this squat position for so long, especially hockey players that are, that are low and squatting and pushing back. And like, I think Kelly, you mentioned people who sit at their desk all day long, get tight hip flexors. And we want to make sure that we're stretching out the hip flexors because that will allow more movement in the hip girdle, which that softer uh, warm-up movement increases that synovial fluid and that and that um, uh, that mobility. So I hope that that helps. Yeah, Paul. Um, well, you know, we talked about hockey, and I mentioned to you in the past that I trained a few uh, NHL hockey players. They live here in the off season, and for the last five years, I've been working with a few of them. So they are all about their hips. It's all about like the strike zone of their body. So if you ask what exercise that I apply with, like Dmitry Kulikov. So here's your simple stand-up, you know, power box that you have. So understanding that the glute maximus, medius, and minimus all play a part in the hip work, I try to teach them the three eights. So everybody watching, listen to this. We're going to elevate, we're going to externally rotate, and we're going to separate. So we're getting hip extension, external rotation, and abduction in the three eights. So here I am, okay, showing you now. My hips are off the cliff of the high box. I grab on for support. I elevate with glute maximus. I externally rotate the feet and then I separate. So we're doing this like the letter T. We elevate, rotate, separate. And after about eight to 10 repetitions, they're hating me. Now in regards to not only working on the backside, I also have a progression where I have them simultaneously contract isometrically their hip flexors. So watch what I do now. I'm going to fire my left hip into the box. My foot is floating. And while I'm holding isometric hip flexion, I am now extending the opposite leg. All right, so they're getting an abdominal contraction, isometric hip flexion, and active hip extension. And then I will obviously switch that pattern as well. Another one in regards to rotation, when we talk about resistance bands, is we want them to place some kind of force pressure into the ground. So if you have any kind of resistance band, all right, this is made by SEW's own speaker, Nick Tuminello. So as I bicep curl the band, I'm going to internally rotate on my left hip. I'll give you the side view. I'm spinning my right heel. And as I apply tension on the band, my left foot has to push down harder to create that force and that internal rotation. And I'll have my athletes and all my clients work on this for a good 15, 20, 25 repetitions. And then they switch legs, right? And what's, what, what's nice about a band is it's got that, pardon the pun, flexibility to work with various demographics. Um, we're talking different ages, we're talking different fitness levels. Um, now, Kelly, when you're dealing, you deal a lot with your older adults, how do you adapt those certain exercises, especially when you're dealing with your Zoom clients? Are you using chairs? Are you using the floor? You know, how are you able to adapt these these wonderful exercises to some of our demographics that might need them the most. Um, I, I love the, I love a chair. A chair is a wonderful tool, whether you're working on a sit to stand squat, something as simple as that, or um, a, a, a step bench is very helpful for step ups. 
I love, um, I'm a big fan of step ups from different planes of motion, like a lateral step up or a front facing step up or even a, a rotating step up so that you, you start with the step and you, you step like that. So you're going in from external rotation into internal rotation and stepping up. So you can do quite a lot with a step. Um, I've used the step a lot in my classes because I, I, I find you can work on mobility as well as strength. And, um, and I, I um, this a, a new movement I recently started doing in my classes, um, it's a transverse squat. So it's a squat that dynamically moves in and out of a sumo stance with one leg stationary. And it, it um, works on mobility as well as strength and moves the hips in and out of. Can you show that, perfectly. Kelly? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So Perfect. it is here. So it's a sumo squat that moves dynamically from, so I, I cue it, you've got one foot at 12 o'clock and you step out to eight o'clock or four o'clock. And uh, it works on that internal external rotation. It gets the adductors really fired up and it works on mobility as well as strength. And I like the sumo position quite a lot if there's a limitation in calf length because you can get a deeper squat because the calves, uh, you can work on calf mobility separately, but you can get a deeper squat without the calf being the limiting factor. And, um, and it's something that you can do in a group. And that's great. Yes, because we got the question from Stephanie Berry. Stephanie said, I love Paul's info, but how do you apply it to a large group of seniors at once? And those squats really work. And and you mentioned the stability ball, um, and that tends to be pretty effective. And what type of exercises do you do on the stability ball, Kelly? Um, I'll do some, there's some really nice mobility stuff you can do on a stability ball for the for the psoas because it rolls dynamically and it, it incorporates balance. So I find it to be a very useful tool for our older adults. You can turn side on onto the ball so you've got one hip and you can roll in and out of some hip mobility movements for the psoas lengthening through the front of the hip which I like and um, hip bridges yeah exactly Paul that sort of thing is great you can adduct at the same time so you're getting some isometrics with it mm -hmm. um, and you can get some isometrics on the um and then hip bridges from there is stuff yeah. that I love um, to do. Okay, I'm going to say, Paul, I love this. We have a live model. Would you turn the camera down a little bit so we can see? Because your name is covering. Yeah, there we go, babe. I know. It's so hard to get good help, isn't it, Kelly? All right, so <laughs> keep going. Yeah, so hip bridges I do like that. And then I often do things like sing single leg with a push movement with a dumbbell for chest so that you're um, asymmetrical, you get the core involved, and then bridges, yeah, exactly, with your feet on the ball in a supine position, single leg or bilateral if they're, they're um, a little less. And these are, 
These Strong. are great exercises because, you know, what's fun about the stability balls, you can add music, you can do it rhythmically, and yeah. they can limit their own range of motion. Unfortunately, their body usually leaves them and limits them. Um, do me a favor, Robin, throw in that link for the stability balls as well for the product. Robin uh, Taylor is helping us run this webinar, so you can check in there. And if you guys have any questions or suggestions, we'd love to hear it. Now, um, uh, Soraya, do you use, you said you use the bands. Are you using the stability belt? Because obviously belly dancing focuses on um, the, the waist and the hips and the knees for that mobility. I'm always very concerned about my knees because of my stupid desire to ski. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, do you use the stability ball at all? I do. I do use a stability ball. I'm I'm actually just looking for my my ball. It, I basically will use the smaller ball, something like the bender ball. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of times what I will actually do with it is um, just take the ball and just pretend like this is my ball because I don't have it with me right now. And just practice working on abductor muscles squeezing. And from here with the knees soft, I can take it into large external hip circles, right? I can take it into what's called a hip slide. So sliding the hips, I can take it into rapid hip twist movements. So just trying to take all these basic fundamentals working with the ball. Of course, I do have my ball here so I can sit on the ball too. But the same thing, just again, just working on piston hips, internal hip uh, circles, anterior post here, all of this great supper balance, um, single leg hips. So yeah, so I do work with the balls a lot because I love balls because they're three dimensional and you know, you can, it's kind of like your hip. It just lets you move on all types of directions. And so. Now, Soraya, when you were standing, I really like those standing exercises, very unique. It seems like that's really used, easy to apply in a group fitness setting or in a personal setting. Were you crossing your legs or were your feet parallel next to each other? Just when parallel you fall in your thighs. Yeah, parallel next to each other. And just, uh, unfortunately, the mat was not gonna give me that resistance that a ball does. Right. So you can Right. the ball but yeah, yeah. So it definitely will strengthen um your abductor muscles and continue to help you work on your alignment and your posture as you just glide your hips from side to side into a classic slide um, and these would be in the belly dance world um horizontal hip movement so the movements are moving on the horizontal plane so um just side to side twisting larger external hip circles just some fun ones. And then at the same time, working with Now, it looks like all of these exercises are helping with our range of motion. Um, Paul, is there anything, anything else you can do to assess that range of motion or enhance that range of motion? And we always worry about the risk of injury. Is there anything you might avoid? Um, I think it's just a matter of getting feedback. It's a constant feedback loop of subjective. How does this feel? Since pain is odorless and colorless, we don't know you're, you're having it unless you tell us. So it's all about trial and error. Um, in our facility, we live in the realm of can-dos. What's as many exercises that we can add to your tool belt and, and find out? But we um, nothing venture, nothing gain. So if something gives you discomfort, no problem. Move on, next catalog. So it's all about adding to their repertoire of exercises for their library and things that they can um, take home. So I love to video clients. I like to give them their own shared album. This is your exercise homework. So 
if you're with me for 45 minute session, you're treating this like an hour and you will be here 15 minutes early doing the homework that I gave you based on the videos that we took of you. So this is how we create personal accountability. If they're coming to us, resting the laurels that, okay, the FitPro is going to save my day and I'm only going to do it when I'm here. No, they're out of our walls 170 hours a week. So there is personal accountability for them to be educated, not just spoon fed exercises. So um, it's just about feedback and finding out which ones do, which ones work and which ones um, uh, and don't. When you do your assessments, do you do written assessments? Do you take your health history forms um, uh, and, and, you know, ret retain them, et cetera? Yeah, we have a full like five page panel of inventory that we take with someone um, when they, we do their first strategy session. We even have like a blank human anatomy chart and they can circle an X where they've had pain in the past. Mm -hmm. And we're asking beyond just orthopedic, what's the history of, have you had concussion? Do you have psoriasis? Have you had arthritis? Have you had, um, you know, uh, heart disease? So we try to get a full panel information. Um, just that way we're getting the backdrop of, um, were there any macro trauma injuries? Were you in a car accident? Did you, you know, hurt your knee playing soccer 40 years ago? So we try to get a full panel. That way we're getting an idea of the blueprint and then where we can take it from there. Yeah. Um, yeah. To not, not soccer. For me, it was skiing and pickleball. It's like, <laughs> could you get any, you know, any more afraid? One thing I would caution you guys all being a lawyer, I would always say, take these comprehensive health history forms, but whatever you're asking, you should know the answer to, or don't ask the question because you're going to be held responsible for knowing what to do with that information. And the other thing that I worry about is you really need an attestation clause where they're saying, I have disclosed all the information and I know that my trainer and my facility and my instructor are only gonna use this health history form in this initial interview and general recommendations. Because if Paul goes out of town and Soraya's taken over for Paul, you know, she's gonna be held accountable and responsible to know the information. So be very aware of that. One of the things I really like that you mentioned, Kelly, previously is you said, you actually ask from your clients that piece of paper that their physical therapist gave them. And I thought that was, I thought that was kind of brilliant. Is, are there exercises that you've seen the physical therapist do or read that they do that you're able to apply into your personal training sessions? Yeah, well, I, I use that as a way of, uh, as a blueprint to then move through a progression from those, from those movements. So if they're they're doing, say, um, a bridge, then I can look at progressing that bridge. If they're doing a, some kind of hip hinge, I can then maybe load it. Or if they're doing a particular stretch, then I can continue doing that stretch. I recently um, did a two-day certification using the mobility stick, and I'm really enjoying using that as a tool for improving mobility, especially for the hips and, and, the, and the hip flexors, because as a, as a cyclist, um, that's one of the areas of my body that gets extremely tight. And cycling is just horrible for mobility. It's just the worst sport ever. And so I've been um, using the mobility sticks in class and and on on my with my husband and um and and with myself as a recovery strategy and I'm finding it to be incredibly valuable because it's and what is dynamic. the mobility stick? It is a um it's about six foot 
tall. It's about six foot long. It's got rubber ends and it's made of a, a polycarbonate. It, it's um, it's flexible. Yeah, there it oh, is. There we go. There yeah, we go. I have a couple of them and, and um, <laughs> I've been using it a lot in um, with with clients and um with myself yeah for into loaded information it use it incorporates a lot of isometrics as well as mobility work so it is really incredibly valuable as a tool for um improving hip mobility well, that's a great piece of equipment um and increasing that range of motion um is there anything extra, Paul, that you do that, you know, not only brings the client back to where they were, but also progresses them beyond? Like, we're always talking about these weekend warriors. And I'm sorry, as, as our population is getting older, and I see uh, Bernadette O'Brien, hello, Bernadette, uh, but as our clients get older, we don't want to stop doing the things we did. And in our brain, we think we can do it. <laughs> and, then we, and then we're dealing with our bodies, which kind of sucks, right? Um, but I wanna, I wanna respond as an athlete. So, so go for it, Paul. Okay, so we talked about the idea of increasing mobility and flexibility. So if you're a raging pickleballer on the weekend, <clears throat> then what I wanna do is show you, you should be preparing your body. Don't just think of it, oh, I'm gonna go warm up by hitting balls with your friends. You should be preparing your hip as if you were skiing, playing volleyball, whatever. So the old school way of working on our quads or stretching your quads was taking your hand and pulling your foot back, but that's intense pressure on your patella. It's a train running on a track. We want to save that. So the new school way of getting a triplanar hip stretch, which you could also do in a half kneel, would be standing up. So right now I have my feet in parallel alignment. I'm going to place my right leg in and I'm going to weaponize my shin bearing weight here. Now, if you notice, my left hip is now beyond my left knee and ankle. So I'm already in gentle hip extension, placing stretch on the origin of my rectus femoris. So this is already going to help the hip. Now, I'm going to practice these pelvic tilts. I'm going to wrinkle my shirt, and I cue my clients by saying, bring your hip closer to the rib. So right now, if the gap is five inches, make it four and a half by a gentle pelvic tilt. All right? And just by activating that, then we're getting some motion here. All right? Working on a healthy spine connected to the hip. And then I'm going to ask them to Take their left hand in the air, extending and stretching all this connective tissue, the fascia. And as we translate forward, I do the overhead reach. So now I'm getting a frontal plane drive. I come back, regress my lunge. The next lunge is a centimeter further. If you notice, I'm able to go further with each one due to the mechanics I'm providing here. Now, the third one is working on external rotation. I'm going to stabilize my right knee, and I'm going to open my hip and my chest simultaneously as one cylinder. And now I'm opening up the adductors here, the hip joint. So I'm doing this now, I've taken my hip through a triplanar mobility, standing, and then I would, of course, switch legs and repeat. So it's a great well, way to that before pickleball, skiing, whatever. You're giving yourself a lot of hip love. Well, I'm glad we're recording this webinar, okay? <laughs> and you guys will all get a copy of the webinar, which is, which is really great. We'll send it out to you and feel free to post it wherever. We love doing these webinars. Um, I am going to share with you guys, we have our active aging summit that's coming up. Um, I hope you can see it. And um, we've got it coming up March 11th through 12th, which is really kind of exciting. We've got a lot of certifications that we're offering through this program.
No, that's really great. Um, we offer a lot of certifications. Um, we offer our active aging certifications. We offer our personal training certifications. We have California mania coming up in March. We have DC mania that's coming up in February. We're just thrilled to have you guys. Kelly's going to be at our active aging certification uh, uh, conference. She's leading our Schwinn cycle certification. I'm sure she's also going to talk about flexibility after that. And then Paul Christopher is going to be featured at our Florida Mania Convention, as well as several others. We're very excited. Um, thank you all for joining us. I really appreciate it. Robin, you do a wonderful job helping us. Couldn't do our events without you. Everybody have a great night. And thank you for supporting SCW Fitness. So we'll say goodbye. Thanks, Kelly. Thanks, thanks Soraya. And thank you, Paul. Love the exercises. Bye, everybody.